Thank you to Amanda and Gina for joining us from the Tasting Alliance to talk about their latest endeavors, their beer competition, and ready-to-drink competition. They take us through the history of the organization hosting some of the most world-renowned spirits competitions and how they are entering the beer space. From how they choose judges to how they pick winners, follow us on the journey to understand how the world of competitive beer competitions influences us on our day-to-day lives as beer fans. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. We are live, episode 327 of the Better on Draft podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it on this beautiful Friday night. It is Great American Beer Fest weekend. We hope you are having a blast out there. We know Dan is. If you guys are following us on all of our social medias, that's at Better on Draft on everything. You can see everything that he's been doing, including hanging out with Jim and Sam over at Dogfish Head and Sam Adams. Uh, my name is Ken. I am drinking an Italian Pilsner from Odd Side Ales and my nice little mini boot. Wendy, what do you got over there? I have got a Melon Ball Double Juicy IPA from Sagatuck Brewing. Perfect. And with us, we have two guests in our studio. Uh, we'll start with Gina. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us what you're doing. And of course, if you're drinking something, tell us what you're drinking. Uh, well, I'm drinking a lot. It's been a very long week. Uh, my name is Gina Sassano. I'm the head of global partnerships for the Tasting Alliance and the Beer Division. And there have been a, a wonderful array of beers to choose from this week. And so I chose uh, a Purple Haze from Abita Brewing, uh, which is in New Orleans. It's kind of a lager brewed with some uh, raspberries. And then I'm drinking a... Uh, it's a uh, agave and guava sour ale from a brewery called Martin House Brewing, which is in Texas. Um, and I did grab one more, but it's not cold yet. But it's a it's a seventeen percent uh, Monstro um, uh, Imperial Stout from False Idol, uh, which is also in Texas. If you ever, if you ever get a chance, Gina, uh, Martin House over in the Dallas Fort Worth area, that place has amazing and such a wide variety. They actually had a mustard beer when I went there last time, and it was I didn't like it, but I I can appreciate it. It's it was very very sour. We'll say that. Well, last night I'm just gonna throw uh, one on top of that. Um, they had a pickle beer. And I'm not going to lie, it was phenomenal. I, I was shocked uh, how much I liked it, but I chose to take the agave sour for a nice mix between a lager, a stout, and a sour for this uh, podcast. <laughs> I think you're going to start seeing a little bit more dill and pickle flavor in uh, beers in the upcoming years. But we also have a cohort with you. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yes. Tell us what you do and, of course, what you're drinking. Hello, I'm Amanda Blue, uh, president of the Tasting Alliance. I am bringing uh, Santa Monica Brew Works because it's right down the street from my house, and it is a 310 Blonde. We thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it. Um, I'm getting a lot of feedback, I believe, on Amanda's, so I'm going to mute to see. Nope, it wasn't Amanda. Uh, We're doing this live. Let's see if it was Gina. There we go. Gina, it is you. Uh, so I'm just going to mute and unmute you when you're uh, ready to chat. Don't worry, Amanda. You're perfectly fine. We do this live. It's crazy all the time. I uh, love so- it when Gina's muted. Always, always. A good <laughs> oh, <time>. no. We scared <laughs> her off. 
Uh, folks, if you're not watching live, of course, you could join us live Fridays on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook at Better on Draft. Uh, but we'll start with Amanda here for this first question. Uh, give us a little bit of history uh, about the organization, the Tasting Alliance, and of course, uh, all the competitions that you guys do throughout the year. Sure. So uh, my father, Anthony Dias Blue, was a very well-known spirits and wine and restaurant critic. Uh, and he was the editor for Bon Appetit magazine for many years as the spirits and wine guy. He started uh, the wine competition in San Francisco in 1980. It's one of the oldest and largest in uh, in the country. Um, uh, that takes place in San Francisco. We're having that coming up in December. Uh, we started the spirits competition sort of before spirits were uh, back in fashion, uh, when when tequila was just thought of some as something uh, you sort of get drunk with uh, on shots in your dorm room. Uh, in 2000, mixology and cocktails scenes started coming up, and um, my dad Andy Blue started the spirits competition, and it is the largest and most prestigious um, blind evaluation uh, competition in the world for spirits. Then we started uh, one in New York. We started a competition in Singapore and we have started our ready to drink competition last year. And then we started our beer competition. So we now cover all facets of the Bev Alk world uh, and uh, very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I want to ask just a, a curiosity question, to say the least. Uh, obviously, when you go into a bar, you have different levels of liquor. Uh, do you get a lot of um, maybe the lower quality five buck chuck uh, alcohol companies that come in just to see how they manage against some of the bigger brands? We do um, because our competition is a metal based system, meaning if the two buck chuck comes in and it's fantastic, um, it can still metal very high and still go into the finals for the best in class category. I mean, we had things in our spirits competition. We had jello shots that made it to the final round um, for novelty products. So it depends on the category and it depends on the quality and it's, um, they're not, uh, they're evaluated. Each product in the first stage is evaluated on its own, not in comparison with anything else. So I would say if there was a stellar two buck Chuck Cabernet and it got a double gold, it probably would not, uh, fare well in the best of class round, but, um, it could still, it could still medal. All right. Uh, besides bragging rights, like what are the benefits that people receive when they enter these beverages into any of your competitions? Well, uh, as you know, the marketplace is extremely crowded for consumers. So um, it's, a, it's a bellwether for consumers to know. Uh, it's a way to help them decide. It's a way to help them be educated. Um, and for the brands, it's also a way for them to be, uh, you know, be able to be picked out. We have a website called tastingalliance.com where you can also shop for some of our winners. So they have the benefit of that. Um, they have the benefit of being featured on our website as well. Uh, we are partnered with a company called Reserve Bar, which is an e-commerce company that uh, deals primarily in spirits, but is moving into the beer and RTD space with uh, a company called Get Stocked. And so they are going to be uploading our winners uh, through uh, through our competitions to our their websites for purchase. So it's a way for them to get pe- brands 
that want to get noticed to get purchased and to get to get known outside of their their direct local market. We also have events that we do all over the country. Um, we just had our first top shelf event where we brought beers, spirits, and wines to Las Vegas. Um, double gold winners. And uh, we had a thousand people coming through and testing them. And, and you know, I'm sure that those beers uh, would not have been exposed to that kind of crew crowd um, if, if we would not bring them there. Now, Gina, you're in Denver for GABF. Is there a festival that gets tied to these competitions on top of it? Or um, are they kind of like standalone? And then you have your your separate, as Amanda said, with the uh, the Las Vegas um, best in show, comp- not competition, but best in show uh, festival. Right. So, you know, as we grow, the idea is going to definitely be to have beer as a standalone. Um, right now, since it's in its infancy, obviously it's a lot smaller than, um, you know, our sister competitions that have been, um, you know, the go-to for many decades in the industry. But, you know, I've, I'm at the GABF. Um, I've been listening to people speak and multiple gatherings, panel discussions have really been discussing how beer is losing ground. Um, And I think several factors are contributing to the decline in in draft and and canned beer sales currently. Um, And the takeaway that I got from this is that kind of the issue right now with beer is four-tiered. It seems to be a generational issue. Um, As far as I could tell, the second is a health issue. Um, there appears to be a third issue related to COVID recovery, and then the fourth issue is related to the decline in draft. Um, and so what's interesting is that I've been to all the different events um, and where I'm starting to come out in, in really starting to um, place our competition and the map is all the conversations are centered around what breweries want to see uh, in order to help one another in the industry as a whole. Um, I didn't really hear any like specific solutions. And here's where we want to come in to help. Um, we want to partner with the breweries um, by supporting them. And we believe in our position. We believe in the company. Um, and we want to um, we want to partner with our brewers and be in business with people who want to be in business uh, with us. And uh, I'm trying to do that here. And, and really, quite honestly, I think the customers, uh, you know, need a change in the brewing scene. And I think we are providing them that service. And my hope is to explain why. Um, and I've been doing that this week. And um, I think essentially we need to adapt to the changing beer market and, and, and create new partnerships and develop new ideas and be disruptors and be critical thinkers um, and don't be afraid to try something new. And that's where I'm finding um, some difficulties with the, with the brewery industry is that I know people need new ideas and yet I don't feel that they're um, you know as willing to adopt some new ideas. And, and quite honestly, for a successful economic strategy, um, it hinges on adapting to these changing tides. So we have essentially uh, an established system with these other competitions, and we're simply integrating beer into our wine and spirit service modus operandi, you know? So um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And, uh, you know, I could talk, we'll talk more, but I'll talk more about what I think, you know, generationally is happening, um, health factors, draft, COVID recovery. Uh, but for right now, um, especially how we're going to bring beer into um in front of people that are that are lacking um like let's say you know the 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 gen z generation um 
you know, we have eyeballs in the spirits and wine world. Um, and there's nothing wrong with starting the conversation there and then introducing these new flavors um, to the people who we really need to be servicing to. So I will talk more about that um, and what we're doing uh, strategically in marketing. Uh, but yes, for right now, it is it is small. So we are bringing beer with us to our trade shows and to our food festivals. So um, just out of curiosity, what is it that makes your competition different than some of the um, established beer competitions that are already out there? Sure. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm also trying to do my best in explaining our story. Um, as Amanda talked about, uh, I think a really big, uh, a lot of feedback that I've heard from, and I've been meeting with, you know, the head brewers here. I've been meeting with um, brewers who are also judging this week at the GABF. And what a lot of people are seeing is that things are just very metal oriented, which obviously we've changed, not changed. Um, our focus is more of a, a consumer facing events. So a lot of what's happening today in the marketplace is it's a metal oriented approach and also one in which you only win one award, you know, right? So you could have 5,000 entries, but there's only one clear gold and there's only one clear bronze. And then, you know, say, uh, you know, the World Cup, there's 10,000 entries. What I'm trying to tell people is this is not in place um, of another comp competition. I'm more seeing this as a supplemental competition, one in which I would think all state guilds would want to be a part of because in our eyes, we're not taking away from other competitions. What we're doing is we are trying to help those states, help those breweries in those states with more consumer facing events. So the main difference between us and another competition is like Amanda was saying earlier, we do um, these trade shows. We have a huge consumer tasting event called Top Chef, um, which will be in Miami this year. Um, we, are, we have presence at these food festivals. We have very large booths um, at, uh, you know, Tales of the Cocktail, Bar Coven. Uh, and for our trade show last year, for instance, I took um, some of our best in show beers, brought them to our booth. Uh, and we, I, they'd sent me one case each. We poured a 0.5 ounce pour because of Nevada law. You could only have, you know, a small pour along with their marketing material, which was a coaster with a QR code. So there's, there's not a lot of other competitions that are actually making a difference after you get a medal. Um, we also, I wanted to say that we, um, we try to differentiate ourselves by having uh, people on our panel that are buyers and decision makers. Yes. So our, one of our head judges is Mary Weaver, who is the head of uh, Gina, you got to meet yourself again. Um, head of uh, buying beer, for Whole Foods, uh, and we have uh, members of the panel that are from Walmart and Albertsons. So we, they, and and they have all agreed that some of our you know top winners will get onboarded into their system. Total Wine, all this stuff. So we're not just trying to slap a label on your bottle. We're trying to help you get to market. We're trying to get you in front of people. Uh, we also have um, our last year, our, our results were uh, published in Forbes, which is, uh, you know, a very major publication doesn't usually cover a ton of beer, but our big winners were announced in that publication. So our goal is not just to evaluate the spirits in that moment. It's for us to be a support system all the way through and help uh, get these products that are probably smaller uh, in front of buyers and consumers. 
Awesome. So um, how do you decide who the judges are? Where do they come from? They uh, come from all over. Uh, they come from uh, breweries. One of our judges uh, is at New Belgium. Um, some of the judges are also GABF judges. Um, we're looking at podcast hosts, spear, uh, beer journalists, head. Um, oh, hello, Kenneth. Um, we're looking at, um, like I said, buyers. We're looking at the more technical beer experts, the Cicerones. Um, we are we are uh, assembling our panel much like we do our spirits and wine panel, which is these are considered the experts in their field, widely considered the experts in their field. Um, they've got books published or they're, um, you know, the, the correspondent for major beer publications or they are in charge of buying for the whole um, retail outlet or, you know, something like that. We want to we want the decision makers up there so that they, they can really make a difference and take these brands farther than just the competition floor. Yeah, like uh, one meeting that I had this week was um, with writer uh, Beth Devin, who is wonderful. She actually just published a book, um, The Beer Lover's Guide to Ciders. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, um, you know, these are kind of the people that we uh, are gathering for our team um, and especially some of the best names in the business. Um, I'm waiting on word for two other people who um, are, you know, known in the industry for being the top. Uh, so, it, that's ideally just like Amanda was saying, similar to how we curate our judging panel for our spirits and wine competition. So um, the whole process is, is that it's it's a blind tasting, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And they um, kind of get evaluated, and they can be awarded a medal, mm -hmm. and then the top are put in for their categories. Yeah. So the first uh, day we'll be um, evaluating all the products that are submitted. Um, this is off, uh, obviously a trade only event. So uh, it'll just be the beer judges in a room. Uh, everything will be have been processed before in our warehouse in San Francisco uh, and everything will be brought out completely blind. Uh, no information will be given except for the barest minimum of information that's needed for the judges to be able to evaluate uh, they will evaluate each product um, on their own through our iPad technology so that they're not biased by each other. They'll put in their tasting notes for each of the products and they'll decide what they want it to be, either a gold, a silver or a bronze or a no metal. So uh, they put that into their iPad software. Uh, the other judges on the panel also do the same thing. And then um, the panel coordinator will come over and say, okay, well, we have, you know, six golds. Uh, it's all unanimous. That means that this is a double gold product. Uh, and that will, then they, she will ask, do you think that this goes, is worthy of going into a finals round, into the next round towards best in class, best in class wheat beer, best in class uh, IPA, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they confer together and decide whether it should go to the next level. If it does go to the next level, then it's judged by every single judge in the room. Um, and it's judged based on being the best in that category. But you still, so then you've got your double golds um, and then you have, you still can have multiple golds, um, silvers, bronzes. Uh, so it is not just, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, not just one gold, um, you know, or or one silver. Um, additionally, 
I think uh, to note that, you know, uh, we ask for about four beers to be sent. Um, I know some other competitions ask for maybe 12, depending on uh, which category. Uh, so we do ask for about four beers. Uh, everything, as we discussed, is, is blind tasting. Uh, but we also do have a can art competition um, for anyone who is interested uh, in helping and, you know, um, in, in just sort of advertising uh, their, their artists, which is a huge part of beer drinking, um, as you know. So that is part of our competition. Um, if you do want to join the can art competition, you just send, you could just even send one empty can. It doesn't even have to be full. And we do that for our spirits and our wine as well. Yeah. Interesting. So um, what are, what is the criteria that you guys are using to award the medals? Like what makes, makes something metal worthy? Um, so we're just using, um, you know, the, um, the BC, uh, the BJCP guidelines. Um, and again, uh, these are things that, uh, we sit and we talk with the judges about before. So the appearance and the flavor and the mouthful and the aroma is pretty much that the standard guideline. Um, we have not steered away from that since that's the industry standard. Um, we have a meeting with all of our judges uh, before the competition be begins, um, making sure everyone is on the same page and following the same guidelines. Uh, and essentially, that's, that's our guide for this competition. They're also using their lens, let's say, if they, you know, the buyer for Total Wine knows what the trends are or Whole Foods knows what the trends are and what is is very marketable these times. They're going to be using that lens as well um, to, to evaluate. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting too, because uh, yesterday I was at the Dogfish um, Brewbound Talk and, you know, there was a panel and they were talking about, you know, um, one thing that, that brewers need to get creative with. And there's a number of things that I actually would like to talk about, about what I think they should get creative with, but that it really doesn't matter what that brewer um, thinks is best. You know, you're trying to appeal to your drinker. You're trying to appeal to your consumer. So uh, one of the panels is talking about, you know, how do you learn more about your consumer and what kind of flavors are they looking for? Um, and that's an important factor that we are also, um, you know, in discussion with with the people who are joining us for for judging, because it shouldn't be just about that specific beer. We also want to know what people like. Uh, that's going to help our brewers. Um, you know, thinking about what's happening today, you know, on, on average, there's 20 percent. Um, you know, uh, less uh, drinkers with the Gen Z and, and, and millennial world. I mean, the baby boomers were some of the biggest drinkers. And, um, you know, th those generations drink far less um, than we did. And mainly because there's an increased awareness of the dangers and effects of alcohol and the, and the risk of their health and consciousness of lifestyle. And so, um, you know, they're, 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 uh, the reflections of their attitudes towards, um you know, health and wellness, it's something that a lot of brewers need to think about because I think what's happening is, um, you know, you, you, what is it that they're, how are we going to get beer in front of them and how are we going to get them uh, to drink 
beer in, in their view, some of the old things didn't work before, you know, going in to meet a brewer from like decades ago. Um, so I think the brewing industry uh, has to st- strategically um, understand how to capture the attention of this TikTok generation and get creative with their marketing strategies. And a, a part of what we do um, as a company is, is we gauge we engage our users through um, these giveaways. And a lot of what they talked about at this panel yesterday were, were these uh, on-premise activation events and sales in the, in the beer industry. And for that, um, you know, essentially, uh, you know, business cash flow is down. Social media savvy partners are, are growing. That's up. So um, those are the types of things that are going to grab the attention of the younger audience. And, you know, with over 40,000 followers that we have in our social media channels, um, I think we do capture the intention of the young people and old people um, with some of our giveaways and, and some famous brands and people that we have. So, you know, it's not necessarily anymore about what the brewer liked. It's it's how are we going to bring in this new generation? And if that means that we have to start the conversation with wine or spirits, that's okay. There's a lot of distributors out there that do start the conversation with wine and then they they segue into beer. Um, that is something that we are actually very good at. And I think a very um, a strong point of recognition that we are going to com- be combining it with the spirits and the wine. So those eyeballs will see and have access to uh, a category maybe they would never think of before. Um, And I know, you know, Amanda is is aware of, uh, she could speak better to, you know, uh, some recent giveaways um, that we had for um, a couple of spirits winners. And I remember hearing that some very old ladies uh, were involved uh, online and wanting to get involved in the, in the giveaway because they liked that actor. Um, So, you know, those are the things that are going to capture the the, the youth and uh, people that you, it may not be uh, normally in your uh, category of, of sales, you know? So there was um, a couple of things that you had mentioned earlier that you wanted to touch on. Um, some of the things that you think that we need to focus on in the beer industry. Do you want to go back and touch on those? Sure. Um, well, I think, um, you know, like I said before, I think health um, plays a real factor uh, into decision making these days um, as I as I drink my beer happily. <laughs> and, and as I'm going to the GABF to drink more beer, um, excuse me. Uh, so there's definitely a reason why seltzers and RTDs are, are popular today. Um, people care about what goes into their products, into their bodies. Um, one thing that I talked to uh, a woman about um, yesterday was uh, her gluten-free beer. Uh, as we know, like 1% of the population is celiac, but there's 30% of the population which is gluten intolerant. Um, so we're really seeing an increase in gluten-free and alcohol-free beers. Um, but what else can we do to encourage the beer consumption? And that's, that's what I kept hearing during all these panels. Like I said before, you know, millennials and, and Gen Zs, they're not drinking. Um, overall revenue in brew pubs, I think, um, the younger generations come in to eat food um, instead of instead of drinking the beer. So what other things um, bring people into that brewery? And so socializing, um, I think, uh, for kids specifically, sharing things with friends, um, they're important for them. So we you know, they enjoy the tangible things um, such as different glass shapes and colors and flavors to talk about. Um, so I think we need to tell a story. Uh, we need to know how to fit 
um, you know, these new consumers into that space. And, um, and you know, I, I, like I said before, combining our story with our spirits, I think that's just one of the ways that um, we can engage people and they have the opportunity to experience new flavors. Um, you know, so health, health, I think these days is a pretty large factor in which people, and there's this sort of belief that beer is heavy, um, you know, beer is we, beer is this. It, not not necessarily true. You know, there's wonderfully light, um, refreshing, a variety of flavors in the beer world. Um, it, it's it, so I know so many friends who, you know, prefer a cocktail. I'm like, you have no idea what you're missing. You know, you would love this sour. You would love this um, beer that's brewed with raspberries on top, you know. So um, these are, you know, a couple of things I noticed. Another, another big conversation, which obviously this doesn't really... Um, doesn't really, you know, fit us for our competition standards is sort of, they, they had a lot of conversation about draft being an existential crisis. Um, and, you know, it, they talked a lot about just, you know, breweries investing more in their draft systems and um, just turning the tide in draft. And uh, obviously, you know, um, it, it's combined with post-pandemic sales and, um, you know, the draft system is is more profitable. Um, and a lot of brewers can't maintain canning and packaging systems. So they really need to maintain these draft lines. This doesn't, you know, affect us with our competition. Um, but, you know, a lot of brewers I heard were, you know, struggling with out-of-state sales with draft. Um, they're, 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 they're at a loss post-pandemic, post-pandemic draft sales. Um, and so they were focusing on things that do work for them, which are seasonals and Oktoberfest and um, that brewers need to take advantage of these sessions and, and these seasonals. And, um yeah, so that was, uh, that was something that I heard from brewers, and then obviously a lot of a lot of them talked about COVID recovery. Um, you know, there are th- thousands of kegs that were not drunk, and um, now things you know are tempered by how much to buy and how much to sell, and people got stuck. And I think people are a little worried on how to move forward without losing money. Um, so I think uh, I heard from a lot of people that it was hard for them to come out of this COVID rut um, and the lagging contributed to the, to the, to the slow growth of, um, of the current state of, you know, the brewery today. So um, those were just a few things that I, I listened to. And again, you know, I just came, came with uh we need to get creative with our, our strategies and our marketing. And there shouldn't be, um, people should want to try something new. Uh, it's just that this is a story that they've never really heard before. And so it's just not knowing. They don't quite understand how we can partner. So like I said in the beginning, I kept hearing all of these issues and they're like, we need a solution. And then I came in, I was like, this is what we do. You know, this is what we're doing as a company. I would love to partner you with you because I'm not looking to just taste your beer. Um, you know, we would love you to come with us <laughs> and grow together. Uh, so, the, you know, those are just a few things that, you know, I noted as um, really top uh, issues for uh, brewers and, and breweries across the country. I, I wrote down six questions um, from that answer. So I'm hoping I can get through some of them. But the first thing I want to ask, uh, as as the drinking moderation changes for a lot of these organizations, um, do these industries feel uh, a concern with the legalization of marijuana, um, as well as the production? Like here, I'm in Ypsilanti, right outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, where magic mushrooms are 
um, decriminalized. I can't say legal because it's not legal, but they're decriminalized. Um, as we look into alternative forms of euphoria, yeah. we'll say, um, yeah. are they entering into these markets that are removing money from those markets? Personally, I think yes. Um, it was not talked about uh, during um, some of my sessions, but you're going to take an edible. Uh, actually, one person did mention something of the sort um, in, in through conversation. You're going to take an edible and you will want to drink less. Um, you, uh, you know, you will have psilocybin in your system. Um, how much do you really want to drink? Where do you put yourself? Um, what kind of environment do you want to be in? So in terms of the edible, um, personally, you know, I think, yes, again, this is maybe where some of our lower ABV content may be helpful, but also having the right space for people to feel comfortable to be doing all of the things. Um, I can say that as a, as a, a stepmother to a 20 year old, that they definitely are not drinking in the same way that we were in high school, in college, um, 20, sorry, 21 year old. Um, and they, um, know about the, the hangover. They know about the health. Um, so we've seen a huge increase in no and low, um, categories. So big ones in spirits, big ones in wine and also happening in the beer world as well. Um, People still like the taste of it. They just don't know that they want to have the hangover the next day. So, yeah, I think that, you know, as a business, I've thought about it. Uh, you know, are we scared? Is our people going to just stop drinking altogether? Um, wh what does this mean for our business? Uh, I don't see that happening, but I do think that the market is shrinking. I mean, you know, during COVID, the ready to drinks that came out, there was so many. Um, you know, people couldn't drink on premise, so they were drinking at home. So everybody uh, and their mom was creating a ready to drink uh, wine, spirit, beer, malt, um, and, you know, got it off the ground and sales were good. And then, you know, everything opened back up and uh, the funding capital dried up. And, you know, people don't realize how much money you need in marketing to create a brand, a spirits, beer or wine brand that can successfully scale. Um, and a lot of these places are shutting down. So um, not only is there a health situation, there's also like the economy is just shrinking, I think. Um, I, and, and just to piggyback on Amanda as women um, and you know, one thing we haven't said is uh, we are an all women um, run company from top to bottom. Um, one thing that we I've, I've read a lot about uh, after COVID is the effects of um, how many women are, are drinking so much more than, than men period. Um, the number of increase in, in women drinking. And I think that had a lot I to do attest with, to that. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with, you know, women staying at home with their kids. And, you know, we drink anyway. We've been drinking before that. <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, you know, that um, that has turned a little bit. I know personally with a number of friends, you know, there's been many statements. Uh, I, I, I need to go back to pre-pandemic drinking. I need to stop drinking as much as um, we were during the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think health... Um, 
health concerns are a, a huge contributing factor to the decline in drinking. But hell no, um, people will never stop drinking. Um, there's always going to be a market for it. And so the question is, you know, who are we marketing to and how do we do it better? And that's the, the, st the stuff that I've been trying to talk to people this week because they want change. So try something new, you know. Well, Amanda, you said the the ready to drink market is kind of not collapsing on itself, but kind of folding in a little bit. And you guys started your RTD competition last year. From from what I've seen personally, and of course, this is in the bubble of Michigan. We're a huge boating state. We've got so many lakes. Of course, the Great Lakes. You can't. You know, you're not. You don't bring glass onto a boat, so you got to bring cans. You can't bring liquor, so you got to bring our. You know, premixed RTDs. So it's kind of a a match made in heaven for us here in Michigan. But are you seeing that more nationally that these the um, places are shuttering or not making these RTDs anymore? Like, I, I guess what am I missing um, that you're seeing that I'm not? Um, I would just say if, if, you know, if you're looking for a local uh, brewery that's made an RTD, I think that that's going to be fine. It's these companies that have been pouring money into scaling and getting into new markets and, um, and simply can't compete with, you know, I would say White Claw is not very popular anymore, at least where I live. Um, I would say truly is sort of, but like people are drinking way different stuff than that. You know, mm -hmm. they're drinking, um, Oinda, which is like a seltzer. They're drinking, um, they're drinking less malt based stuff. Honestly. Um, people realize that it doesn't taste as good. They're wanting to drink stuff that it has premium ingredients that has real ingredients um, so I think it's about the, the consumer becoming more picky and more premiumized. And then also, um, the fact that it's just, the marketplace is so crowded that it's, it's difficult to differentiate yourself. So, which is where we come in. Um, and it's also difficult to get capital in order to keep scaling up, 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 up because of our, you know, our lending system right now is very tight. I, I, I definitely see a lot of local, um, you know, I think a lot of brewers especially are concentrating on their local push. You know, it's becoming more of this uh, localized community, uh, as, 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 as we know, compared to spirits and, and wine, beer doesn't travel as well. Um, it doesn't stay fresh as well compared to, you know, a 37 year aged, you know, scotch in a, a you know, in, a, in whatever barrel, that's not how it happens with brews, you know, you know, they want to package it up right before. So there is this push for more, um, you know, local events. And it's something that I'm keeping in mind, uh, as we grow, you know, how, uh, how can we cater to the more local crowd to then benefit uh, that community and that state? And how do we get philanthropic um, with our uh, union with with brewers? Because, as you know, that's also an important, um, you know, established, uh, you know, uh, need for a lot of brewers to to get involved. So those are a few other things that I've noticed this last week. Well, as we talked about low and, you know, alcohol-free spirits, 
spirits, beer, everything like the, the alcohol free or no alcohol or low alcohol industry is starting to explode um, mm. with new products entering the field uh, as a competition. Is that going to be a separate competition uh, or are, mm. am, am, is my Danny Trejo's uh, alcohol free tequila going up against uh, the next Mezcal? No, they we they're all part of the same competition, but they're in different categories. So we have, um, I mean, because we get a lot of no and low at this point. So we have, you know, no alcohol um, hemp based RTD. That's its own category. So that all those hemp based drinks are compared against each other. They're not in the final round to award best in class. They're not. Yeah. Uh, against you know uh, a seed lip or 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 an athletic brewing, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, there's lots of different innovations happening in the no alcohol space, um, but they are judged alongside, like at the same day, same same competitions as um, as the rest of the spirits and beer and wine, but just under the lens of this is a no no alcohol. They they, they will be flighted with the same category of their non-alcohol counterpart. So one of um, our t- participants this year, and I was meeting with them this week is Partake Brewing, and they have a number of different non-alcoholic beverages that they wanted to expand into the competition. Um, so I listened to their needs. I added some categories because, you know, as of last year, it was a lot smaller. At the GABF this year, I mean, t- tonight when I get off of this um, podcast with you guys, I'm going to walk the non-alcoholic and there's about 18 gluten-free um, breweries that are serving. So it's growing and um, and people want it. <clears throat> yeah, we had Ted Fleming on, uh, I believe, two years ago from Partake, and it was a great conversation talking about non-alcoholic beer um, and we also had, and Wendy, you might need to help me with this, but a um, a gluten free brewery. I want to. I, I keep wanting to say Breaking Bad, but that's obviously a TV show. <laughs> Otherwise, um, right. uh, I'm sorry, it, it, Breakside or no Breakside's up in no, that's Brickside. Uh, Rev- um, Revolution. I'll look it up. I actually have some in my cabinet downstairs because I still I kept buying it. I liked it. But when we talked to them, obviously they explained to be gluten free because you have to be to call yourself gluten free. You have to be USDA approved gluten free, which we do have one of those here in Michigan brewery, Nick's NYX. Go check it out. Um, But then there's also gluten reduced where you take um, the the type of bacteria that you add to or um, I don't know if it's bacteria, but that that little. Uh, thing that you add to your brew and it kind of eats up all the gluten. So it's great for that 29% that's gluten intolerant and not necessarily the one that's celiac. Um, So all these options are great. I did get a chance to go check out the NA tent last year at GABF, um, which was basically mostly athletic, but I'm glad to see that there was a little bit more um, this year. I, I the the big question that I want to ask, and I think it's because I am the odd person out. If you guys don't see us live here at Better on Draft on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook, uh, you can go check out the video too over on YouTube. Um, you mentioned you're an all woman industry over there, uh, mm-hmm. but as we've talked with Julia Hers, we've talked to Ann Obachan, um, okay. we've talked to the the ladies that ran the beer beers without beards festival. 
uh, over in uh, on the East Coast. Wendy actually went to that festival. Um, had a blast. What? I loved it. Yeah, I was bummed that they weren't having it this year. Uh, Me too. What are some of the um, roadblocks that are getting put up that maybe we as a media organization can help push or that you as a uh, woman-led part of the industry are pushing to get more women into uh, the finer parts of tasting the beer, tasting the booze, uh, making the booze, making the beer? Um, Well, I'm just going to... Uh, Amanda, do you mind? I'll, just, I'll just speak to the to the judging part. Um, the fact is that women have been um, it's been proven scientifically that women have better palates than men. Just biologically, uh, having to take care of your uh, of of newborn infants, helpless infants that uh, we need to be able to taste and 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 smell uh, danger um, a little bit more than men. So we have added a lot more women and. Um, people of all different diversities into our uh, panel, just not because it makes uh, it's just more representative of the, of the general culture. I've, I've had um, some wonderful conversations this week. Another one of our participants, um, Betsy from lady justice, uh, they'll, they'll be joining us for our competition this year. I had dinner with her the other night. It's not just women. Um, it's minority. It's uh, trans gay. It's um, it's not that these, uh, groups don't want to drink. It's just historically, like many other things in life, uh, it's been very male forward. Um, last year, when I looked at our winner circle, um, and I put together our first beer competition last year, and it, I did it in a very short amount of time. So it's going to be very different this year because I've been spending the majority of the, the year on it. I noticed that it was very monochromatic. You know, it was, it was men, they were white, and with beards. I love men and I love all men with beers. <laughs> you know, it's that's not it at all. Um, it's just that as a company, we are used to representing a diverse group. We are used to representing over 40 countries from around the world. That is our model. Um, we have color, we have you know, we have we have ethnicities, we have um, flavor steeped in tradition from families. Um, I just saw, you know, last year I said, you know. I don't like that. And uh, I want to make it more in line with what we do as a company as a whole and, and what and who we represent. So this year I have been talking a lot about and talking to many people at the GABF, many women. I've been going up to all their booths saying we want more women. And there are a lot more women brewers today than ever before. Um, I came from the Telluride Blues and Brews Festival. I talked to a number of different women um, and run brewers there. Um, I talked to a number of veteran-owned uh, brewers and breweries here at the GABF. And then also I've been in contact with um, the Black Brewers Guild because that is another underrepresentation, uh, underrepresented um, group. And so there are wonderful beers. And it's it's sad that, you know, only, you know, of the hundred percent, and let's say there's one percent that are women and minority, that that's not well represented. So I am actively trying to um, get more participants from all the uh, groups uh, this year than than any other time before. All right, we are going to be winding down here. It's uh, been 45 minutes, almost an hour, uh, if you can believe that already. So we want to make sure we are respectful of your time. Um, Continuing the conversation, uh, 2023, you have a competition this year. Um, Paint us a picture. What are we going to see? What's going to be new? 
Um, what's what's exciting you about the upcoming beer competition? Um, well, uh, what's going to be new is that it will be bigger. Um, like I said, last year, uh, I only had a couple of months to put together. And so it was small and mighty, uh, like myself, <laughs> um, this year it will be, um, uh, we will have, as I said, more representation for, from every different ethnicity group. Um, that's one of the things that I've been focusing on. Um, we will have a robust, um, uh, judging panel uh, consisting of all the things that we earlier discussed to represent not just the brewer, but the consumer. Um, we will be holding it this year at the same time as our San Francisco International Wine Competition. It will be in an adjacent ballroom. Uh, so that will be exciting because um, there will be a very big turnout of some of the best judges from around the world uh, for both wine and beer. And I think... Um, what I'm most mostly looking forward to, and this is something that I actually texted Amanda earlier that we're going to have a talk next week. I'm really focusing on how I want to meld um, with, you know, more this year with our social media um, into with, the, you know, the, the wine and the spirits and how we're going to really bring our winners to the forefront. Um, so they have the opportunity to reach those consumers that they're looking for. Um, so again, you know, this is our second annual competition. Um, it is not our, it's, it's not, it's, I haven't been doing this for 43, 23 years, like the uh, spirits and wine, but we have the backing of this established system. Um, so I'm just excited uh, to see what happens this year after all of my hard work and all of the work we've been doing as a company. Well, we do have one question from the chat that I want to make sure gets asked from our Twitch channel. Uh, in 2022, you had five beer categories. How many categories are planned for 2023? And will one of them be a barrel aged category? Um, we actually had many more than five. Um, I think what was written up in Forbes as the best in class or best in show, um, we only wrote up five, uh, but we had plenty more categories. Um, we are going to be uh, having a much different strategic plan in our writing um, and how we will be representing all of our winners. Um, this year, I mean, I'd have to look, but we're up to I think we're over, you know, 50 different categories. And I've been saying to anyone I reach out to, please, if there's a category missing, let me know and I will uh, discuss it and gladly add it. Um, again, I'd have to look to see where we are. I've added probably 10 categories in the non-alcoholic section already in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I've added five more categories from the request of participants. So I'm happy to add any more um, that you wish. Where where are flavored malt beverages fitting in? Is that going to be in the beer competition or is that going to be in the RTD competition, like your Henry's hard soda um, type of beverage? I'm not sure yet. Um, what do you Amanda, think? Amanda, Amanda, you got to unmute yourself. Oh. Um, I, I, you know what? It's, it's, uh, it really depends on how the producer wants to be marketed. So um, if they are, in the RTD category, if they want to be considered an RTD and not a, not a, you know, beer or whatever, they would submit to the RTD, um, which is a different competition and at a different time. All right. As we begin to close out, we, uh, myself and Wendy are going to ask you a final question and then give you the opportunity to uh, pitch all of our brewing 
uh, fans who work for breweries that want to possibly uh, compete because they can still get in their application and enter the competition. Uh, Wendy, what is your final question for Gina and Amanda here? Wendy, you're muted. <laughs> like I'm brand new. So <laughs> I have to say it's been a pleasure talking with you ladies. You definitely um, have done your research and it, it literally has been fascinating chatting with you. Um, my question is, though, with the access to all of the different beer that you have, is there one or even two beers that really just stand out to you that you think, man, I wish I could get that again? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not... I feel like uh, maybe it's not fair for me to mention a couple of my favorites um, that uh, just because uh, I don't, I don't know if this is the right platform to just throw out some of my favorites. You know, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and um, I am a huge advocate for our local brew scene. If you haven't been to Asheville, it's phenomenal. Um, and I could just it. rattle, yeah, I could rattle off 10 of my favorites, but I would um, say from last year, I was very surprised by one, which was called, I think a blueberry lemonade from Connecticut. Brewing. Connecticut Valley Brewing. It was delightful. And I, you know, I'm not a taster. I'm not a judge. I'm just talking about personal preference. It was amazing and extremely surprising and actually did extremely well in the competition. Yeah. They, they awesome. did do well. <laughs> I I think Wendy, as she she mentioned, it's great. I've been to Asheville as well. Um, I've definitely taken a, a nice stumble around the the downtown area. Uh, missed the opportunity to go to the bigger breweries to do tours over at Sierra Nevada, New Belgium. Um, but ending at White Labs was easily the best decision I've ever made in my life. Uh, the food is great and, uh, the beer being able to try like a, a few different for, for me, as everybody knows, that's a fan of the show. I'm a huge alt beer fan, probably told this specific story a hundred times. Uh, but when I went there, they had three alt beers on tap, which is a beer you do not find on tap, let alone three. Uh, and I was basically in heaven, um, sad. It was at the end because I was definitely many beers in, but, uh, I, my, my final question uh, is is a little bit more uh, personal. Um, this is going to start with Gina, then we'll go to Amanda. Gina, uh, yes. you walk into a house party. Yes. What is the best beer game you're good at? Is it beer pong? Is it flip cup? What are you going straight towards when you walk into a house party? Personally, I go straight towards beer pong. Um, I, we don't have a lot of time to tell a story, but I won a, uh, dying goldfish for my children in a pong, uh, like beer game at, at the state fair. The fish then turned out to be more of like the koi family. And for two years, this thing grew to like this size to the point where I needed a hundred gallon tank and, I, I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I had to go on Facebook and there was a group that um, rescued goldfish from people who didn't realize how big goldfish could be. So I had to take it like an hour and a half away so someone could put it in their pond. Um, so I'm pretty stellar at the pond. My parents <laughs> also, that happen. I also yeah. love shuffleboard, uh, but, you know, pong specifically for, I like all the games, guys. <laughs> I'd go beer pong as well. Um, I even play it with my kids. 
Um, I have them. Um, we have we put some different like things in the cups, like ketchup or mustard or hot sauce or an Oreo, so that if you get it in one of those, but you don't know what it is, if it's a beer, the adult drinks it. But if it's a ketchup, you got to eat it. So uh, it's a new it's a new form of beer pong for the whole family. I feel like you could have easily put that on TikTok and got a million followers followers overnight. I think I might do it right now. <laughs> I that I'm just to go follow you. Uh, blows my mind. Uh, do you do you ladies do so? So we got the the San Francisco spirits. We got Singapore. We got New York. Where else around the U.S. are the competitions? We are just in New York and San Francisco for now for the competitions. We're going to have events all over the country eventually. Um, but our next uh, competitions will be satellites for the spirits competition, which will be in Berlin and possibly in Mexico to uh, concentrate on European entries uh, and uh, Mexican craft spirits. All right, perfect. One of you, also, let's. Uh, tra- that our, our trade show, um, I think, will be in Miami this year, Amanda, in October, the top shelf. So that's going to be a huge one as well. Uh, great city to have it in for sure. Uh, let's let's get the rundown. Up, oh, I'm hearing some some notifications. Right, it's time to go. Uh, <laughs> let's get a rundown. Where can we uh, find? Where can we apply? Uh, go to www.tastingalliance.com. Follow us on social media if you're interested in spirits. We've got a fantastic account. We've got great giveaways every month. Uh, we are at SFW Spirits Comp. For, for wine, we're at S-F-I-N-T-L Wine Comp. Uh, and for the beer competition, oh, hey now. Um, for the beer, this is our website. So you can shop for winners here for uh, all the different kinds of categories. We've got featured articles. Go up to blog, Gina. Yeah, um, I would. Re- oh, so I'm not handling. Oh, okay. So here are some featured articles that um, we publish with uh highlighting some of the winners but there's also as you go down there's more like special craft uh craft articles on different features and then also some of our stuff that's been in forbes and men's journal maxim uh, um, and then these things are shoppable and yeah. so please apply www.thetastingalliance.com if you go under competitions you'll see the beer competition and you can just enter at the entry portal and I just want to throw out there, uh, so, you know, to everyone who signed up last year, I'm very grateful. It was our first um, ever competition, and there were a few bumps in the road. Um, I took the the majority of the first six months of the year, um, you know, streamlining and processing a lot of our wins from last year and figuring out what to do for this year. Uh, we are a well-oiled machine this year. We are ready for our second. We are excited. Um, we want you to join us. We would love you to try us um, and see what happens, even if it's just a skew. Um, we've been working very hard. So I, I and if you very- have any questions, Gina is available 24 hours a day. Her number is 310. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she will answer <laughs> any questions uh, that you want and uh, maybe have a, a FaceTime beer with you. Yeah, I am very grateful for the time, Ken, Wendy. Uh, this was uh, my first podcast. Um, I'm just very thankful for making it so easy and comfortable. And you guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you again. Go visit them. Go enter your beers. Get rated. My name is Ken for Wendy for the Tasting Alliance. This is Better on Draft. And no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's Better on Draft. Have a good night. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks.